How are you? Have you got the mother of all hangovers? Were you doing it large on the dance floor last night? Celebrating your birthday? Yes. 21 years of age again. (laughs) I was 34 years old and I've been teetotal since I was 21. So no no hangover for me. A a clear head, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose, as they say on Friday Night Lights. I I actually did go to a public house on the night before my birthday um, for the purpose of watching Manchester United play. I, I guess we should touch on the Fulham game briefly before we give it the big one over that wonderful performance against Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think we should. We warmed up with uh, West London's big side and followed it up with the, the small club uh, somewhere near Craven Cottage, yeah. Um, so yes, uh, let, let's start with Fulham. It was, it was one of those muted displays that we've seen quite a bit this season, wasn't it? When, when there's been, no, well, I think there were eight changes and United just didn't ever really get going. I thought Fulham were very good for about 15 minutes and then obviously a couple of quick goals and that kind of killed the tie, but just about did enough. And I think Ferguson was right in his analysis when he when he said that, uh, you know, really were quite fortunate to win that game. Yeah, it was a really strange game actually brought to mind something that you talked about at some length on last week's uh, podcast about you know how how those types of changes affect the team and and affect the the feeling around the team I thought that Valencia Berbatov and Nani were all spectacularly good for about 10 minutes in the first half and that was basically the whole game was that 10 minutes yeah did enough to win it didn't they yeah. in those 10 minutes and Fulham they played really well Fulham I, 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 I kind of almost almost felt sorry for them because I, I actually thought they did a very good enough performance to get something out of the game yeah but not I mean really poor in the last third you know yeah. really really poor at take. if they took their chances we'd have been we'd have been in real trouble in that game and, right, and yeah. you know Ferguson said he, he kind of couldn't be happy about that performance really but you know Mark Hughes said afterwards about us you know they're just ticking off games now and I think it's a bit too soon for that kind of attitude because this season has got an awful long way to go in it and, and, and I'm absolutely not being excessively negative when I say we could still end up not winning anything yeah well you're absolutely right what was it six Premier League games to go. Some tricky ones, obviously Arsenal and Chelsea, but a couple of tricky away fixtures. Newcastle will come on to, and then Blackburn Rovers. And and there's definitely potential for dropping points there. And and what is it? Seven point lead is actually if Arsenal win their game in hand and beat us at the Emirates. I mean, if you ifs and buts in that clearly. But um, a seven seven point lead could be one point. Yeah. All of a sudden, and then and then it really is squeaky bum time. I mean, mind you, mind you, I think if you, if you wanted to be more positive about that, if you if you assume Arsenal can, are not going to win all the games, I mean, say for example, there was people discussing it on Twitter actually yesterday. Say for example, Arsenal won five and and drew two of their last seven games, which is again another reasonable thing given they're playing Liverpool and then Tottenham in the next two games. Now definitely room for dropping points. If that happens. United only need eleven points, which is three wins and two draws and a loss. And and that then suddenly you think actually that that's all right we can do that yeah oh I mean I, I would say that any rational person would say we're very significant favourites to win the league title from here there's there's no doubt about that but you know we 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 still got to be really trying hard you know there's no there's no room for foot off the accelerator and the, you know the Fulham game there was there was definitely that their feet were firmly off the accelerator in that game after they went two 0 up I mean you have to say they did look pretty good before 
before they were 2-0 up, so they, they were trying, United were clearly trying at that point. A, a lot of people giving Berbatov some stick after that game, saying they were maybe expecting more for him, a bit more fight for his place type stuff, because, you know, they, they expected maybe a bigger performance from him, given given that he's been on the bench for so for so long. And it, I thought that was kind of harsh, because actually I thought it was excellent in the first half, and I thought it was really reassuring to see how well he took his goal, the opening goal, um, given how little football he's had recently. He, he looked really sharp and confident still. Yes, yes, uh, I, I guess that's... Uh, and he actually yeah, he had a very good game against West Ham, didn't he, uh, a couple of weeks ago? Yes. And, and he, he really helped turn the game around there. And so, yeah, that's good that he, he's able to come on and affect matches. But I, I just think the penny's dropped, hasn't it? That Ferguson realises that getting the best out of Rooney, uh, he needs someone who, as Giggs put it this week, and I thought it was a very sensible comments from Giggs, creates space for him. And that's what Hernandez does by constantly forcing uh, the opposition defence to you know play deeper because he's so quick and and it's just it's just a more natural partnership and um, all the old pros say the same thing every week uh, you know really must love playing with Hernandez and, and that's nothing against Berbatov it's just it's just a better it's a better dynamic well yeah much like Berbatov and Hernandez is a better partnership than Berbatov and Rooney in many ways with Berbatov playing a, 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 a you know that more Rooney-esque deeper slightly deeper lying role uh, yeah well yeah I guess so I mean it, it, perhaps it didn't quite work against uh, against uh, Fulham but um, well uh, not that Hernandez actually played uh, so yeah. it didn't work against Fulham because <laughs> Hernandez didn't play yeah uh, foot firmly in mouth uh. um, but you know I thought I thought Berbatov was decent and I think if we win the league he will have been an absolutely instrumental part in that obviously with his goal tally um, and, and I, don't, I don't know I don't quite know what he has to do um, to, to, to win United fans around his, his goal tally this season clearly speaks for itself he's not quite hit that 25 yet though um, but but it's definitely coming. The fact is that that Ferguson, for for all people you know, say that Ferguson does trust Berbatov, and Ferguson says it, uh, it when it comes to the the really big games, the knockout rounds of the Champions League, or those are games against the, say the top four. Berbatov basically never plays well about a third of the time, and and uh, it's not really what you'd expect of a thirty million pound striker. So it, it it tells me that there's some trust issues there. And uh, so so given that you 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 might say that Berbatov might not start against Schalke in the the two legs, and he might not start against Arsenal and Chelsea, which gives him another, I don't know, what is six or seven games he could potentially play in, and, and he probably wouldn't start in the Champions League final either, for that matter. But he may well play on Saturday, I don't know, well, especially, obviously, Rooney's, Rooney's not eligible, so that's... A- I, I think he will play on Saturday, yeah. But before that, of course, there was, um, after after the you know, the muted performance against Fulham, there was, a, an, I thought, an excellent performance against Chelsea, and, and a deserved win. Absolutely electrifying stuff. Proper, proper Manchester United performance that was uh, I mean I watched it in a pub in Birmingham surrounded by United fans I, I was I was there with uh, three Liverpool supporting friends from work and and one extremely vocal United supporting friend from work uh, but the pub itself was just was kind of full of United fans uh, living up to the stereotype I guess um, but but it was it was a phenomenal atmosphere there and, and the atmosphere at the ground seemed to be magic and the performance oh just where do you start I, I, I'm going to start I'm going to do this and the start at the back Van der Sar was excellent once again that tackle he put in he kind of got himself in a bit of trouble but certainly managed to get himself out of it and once again I think actually the Fulham game the fact that Kushak played is really significant to our performance overall because Van der Sar makes so much difference in terms of marshalling the defence and also distribution um, Vidic was I mean I just run out of plaudits he he was just brilliant Rio 
played the whole game on one leg. That's uh, that's quite impressive stuff. Yeah, and he and he was still better than uh, Johnny Evans has has been for quite some time. Yeah, so uh, yeah, absolutely, he a phenomenal, of course, and uh, crucial. I think I think <laughs> I was reading some of the Italian press about this. It was quite funny and how over the top they were about uh, the performance because they were obviously quite critical of Carlo Ancelotti and um, but some very fair things. Uh, is there a better partnership than Ferdinand Vidic in world football? Well, probably right now, no, there isn't. And uh, those two were fantastic. And obviously, Drogba gave them a, a lot of lot of trouble in the second half. Um, I, I think everyone knew that he would really. And the only person who doesn't is the man who picks the team. Obviously, Roman Abramovich. And uh, and 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 that cost Chelsea in the end, didn't it? I mean, it's completely and utterly bizarre. I, I, there's a lot more very, very big positives to talk about United's performance because Carrick, Carrick, he might not have been the man of the match on Tuesday night, but he was definitely the man of the fixture for sure. He was the man of the tie over the two over the two legs. Michael Carrick, hands down. I kind of think it was between Giggs and Rooney for man of the match on, on Tuesday night. But there was there were shouts for Park, for Rio, for Vidic. You know, a lot a lot of people could kind of claim that. But but picking Fernando Torres and and keep it I and mean, what what is Ancelotti playing at he must have known that wasn't going to work yeah I, I mean I just don't know whether he's picking the side he must be under some sort of pressure it's just it's it's madness otherwise isn't it I mean I, I look when Torres went to Chelsea in January we said it's it was all about Europe it's not paid off for them clearly but uh, yeah I, I think that was one where Abramovich stepped in interesting story in the press this morning actually about um, how Abramovich has decided to make it in an even more hands-on role obviously Ancelotti's going to go I think everyone realises that and and uh, apparently Roman wants to um, start you know, deciding even more things at the club uh, he might appoint a director of football obviously Frank Arneson's going who's the director of development or whatever he is a strange role he's got there and, and a couple of his backroom staff uh, so there's going to be a lot of change at Chelsea and there might be some very big names coming in which uh, may well be marquee signings but we'll see whether they actually fix the problems that Chelsea have. I mean, when you say even more hands-on, what's he going to do? Is he going to take training? Is he is he actually literally going to pick the team? Is he is going to be on the bench? You know, I, I I don't know. I think I think this was more about he he will be deciding some of the purchases, and I think that's to do with him wanting some some of the big names, and may, maybe Kaká will uh, end up at Stamford Bridge as a result. That, that seems an obvious one. Yeah, because he used to be absolutely brilliant and has been kind of struggling for a while as well. So the, the perfect foil for Fernando. Yeah, that's right. That's right. A very, very strange goings on at Chelsea, and I, I don't know how a coach of Ancelotti's standing in the game can bring himself to 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 pick Torres in that in that fixture because he knows he's going to lose his job anyway. I mean, I guess the only thing is, it's, it's like when Rooney was playing so badly uh, for us. There's there's always the potential that it could suddenly turn round because Torres, I, I you imagine, is in a form is temporary, class is permanent situation because he's a very gifted footballer. Yeah, I I, th- I think so. I, I think it will come right. I think they uh, they have to use him. In the right way I, I just doesn't make any sense playing up there with Drogba and that's that's part of the problem right he, he needs someone who's going to drop deep and and when Torres was really on fire he often had Gerard just 15 20 yards behind him and and obviously Torres is kind of player likes the ball in front of him and so I think they're not quite using him in the right way at the moment that's probably not helped and moving to a new club and obviously had the World Cup and the injury before that so he's probably ne- he was probably never been fit properly fit at any point in this season and so I, I think we'll probably if 
if they reshape their side, I know we're talking about Chelsea quite a lot here, but I think if Chelsea reshape their side, they're obviously going to spend a lot of money in the summer. They'll build it around Torres. He'll have a break uh, if Spain don't play in the Copa America, and he'll probably be a real force next season. Uh, uh, and I'm sure you're right about the form temporary class permanent thing, but for now, he's just shocking. He's awful in those two games. Yeah, he was. Unlike us, we were magnificent. That is the best performance I can remember for us for absolutely ages, definitely all season. The great thing about this as well is we, how many times on this pod over over the season have we talked about how poor United have been and we've just got away with it? Or we went... Every week, almost literally every week, bar about three or four weeks of the season. Right, so right at the crunch end and squeaky bum time and what happens? United start playing well. It's incredible. But but perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. How good was Michael Carrick in that game? Man? It was very good. It was very good. I'm look, I, I uh, You made a very good point last week when you said uh, there's this ridiculous polarisation of views about Carrick. You know, there's the group that says he's not worth it and there's the group that say he's the best thing ever and, and I think you were right, absolutely right, saying he's a, he's a very talented player. He's lost his way over the last 18 months and I, I also thought that uh, Nathan did a very good piece on the on the website this week, not, not to plug our content too much, but... Um, hey, plug away. Some nice, nice analysis of how uh, Carrick's position has changed and that's how it's affected his performances and, and now he's actually being allowed a bit more freedom and that's helped him a bit and I think that's probably right at all as well I, I think he, he's, uh, he's playing Reed's game very well Carrick but he's not necessarily your blood and thunder type player is he that's going to go crunching into tackles but he does read the game very well and he recycles the ball very quickly and he moves the ball very quickly and he's got a good range of passing and, and uh, I think if you accept him as that then then he's a very good player and a very useful player for United if you want him to be Roy Keane or you want him to be Andreas Iniesta uh, he's neither of those things and he's not going to live up to what you want and uh, I, I guess that's where he falls down I mean although there was quite a lot of blood and thunder in his performance actually there was a couple of massive challenges tracking back making himself really busy um, at the other end of the spectrum of how players are regarded by the United faithful uh, a player whom there is little to no debate about his value to United Ryan Giggs is 37 years old it's absolutely insane how good he is not not only just how how good he is but how what a reassuring presence he was in the, the centre of midfield he basically never gives the ball away he uses space in the right way he helps the younger players clearly three assists across the two games uh, and uh, just affected the game at exactly the right times as well brilliant just wonderful and just he looks imperious on the pitch he just looks he's such a special player he's underrated Ryan Giggs is underrated and yet he's you know he's held in such high esteem and yet I still think he's underrated hey look playing in central midfield there when he's he's not having to be on the wing and uh, he's got other players around him he, he, he looks like he could play for another five years no problem yeah I mean you'd imagine at some point physiology human regular human physiology will catch up with him and in five years he'll be 42 and it might be a little bit more difficult um, certainly you wouldn't see him in the United central midfield then but but he could do a job for someone you know he could do that I don't know he's just it was just brilliant to see what an incredible performance he put in and Rooney looks back to his best to oh, me Rooney was great wasn't he the amount of, I, was, I was looking at the total football app stats and the amount of cross field like 60 yard passes he, he had about 15 60 yard passes from one wing to the other and he, he was all over the place he's just he's finding so much space and it comes back to that thing about Hernandez being in the side as well he just, just seems to be the Rooney of old now he's he's playing in a much way deeper position than he played last season when he 
was in such great form. But I think that's his natural position. I just think, of course, the goals are, are really important. But I just think you get the very best out of Rooney when he's playing 20 yards deeper and and he's going to if he's not going to score 35 goals a season he's certainly going to help or score 35 goals a season I don't think United loses anything when he's in that position I think they gain an awful lot yeah I know absolutely and and like he's he, his scoring form has returned as well hasn't it you know he's, he's not been short of goals recently hat-trick against West Ham no that's right he's, he's got plenty and important ones too yeah talking of important goals oh little parky because because when they scored, I, I I must admit I got a wobble when when Drogba scored because he looked really dangerous. Drogba did, and they only needed one more at that point, and it, it felt really uncomfortable for all of about forty five seconds. A wonderful goal from Jason Park, brilliant team goal, and and I love it when Park shows composure in his finishing because it's sort of he's such an he's such an odd player. He's such an odd player. He's really good. Park is clearly, and Ferguson obviously rates him very highly and uh, we're talking about Jisung Park so I am contractually obliged to use the word energy and that was very clear in his performance he, there was a point at which Chelsea had an opportunity to counter-attack I'm sorry I can't remember who it was that had the ball but it's like oh, you can try and counter-attack if you want but Park's just going to keep up with you the whole way you know it's it's he's just amazing on that on that score but but that goal he took it absolutely brilliantly he he really did and and that is i've got to say one of the weakest areas of park's game isn't it the the amount of chances he actually blows is incredible really but he's actually got some very important goals this season i think it's his seventh and he's obviously had quite a long time out with with injury as well so he's got some very important goals at the right time and Ferguson likes him in europe and he he does a very good job i still feel he's a coward swinger and and that's because he's just he, he gets not off the ball he doesn't go past players he's not offensive enough and uh, normally he's in there to do a defensive job and I think he was actually for most of the game until United really took hold of it because he started on the right and that's clearly to counter the uh, Maluda Ashley Cole threat and uh, you know shunting Nani over to the left and, and, and until United took hold of the game and then Park had more freedom and uh, obviously you know found himself sort of on the left side of United's attack and then just uh, as you said great team goal you know, lovely control from Rooney and uh, you know, great weighted pass from gigs and stunning finish. And the place went absolutely ballistic and and, yeah. and we're into the semi-final of the Champions League which definitely seemed a long, long way off. It really did. Earlier in the, I, I thought that would be an overachievement. I, I thought quarterfinals would have been about our level or, you know, probably even better than our level but clearly I was wrong in that one because we've done better and, and now facing Schalke and uh, you know, they've had a lot of trouble this season Schalke and they're still about mid-table in the Bundesliga obviously fired McGath after the after the group stages and uh, you know got got a brand new coach in uh, but they seem to have picked up some form they've been great in Europe uh, anyone who sticks seven past Inter is a decent side well yeah that it's a very peculiar result I mean and to score five at the San Siro was was amazing wasn't it but I sort of you can't help being glad to be on that side of the draw because however like we shouldn't underestimate Schalke they're definitely definitely not as good as either Real Madrid or Barcelona no no I mean they've got some they've got some good players I mean you know, Schalke obviously got Raul and Huntelaar and, and, and they've got uh, Manuel Neuer at the back and Mert Zaka and so they've they've got some good players you know they, they're second in Bundesliga by merit last season also had a really bad start to the season so they're a better team than mid-table Bundesliga but they haven't really performed like it. So they're going to be a good side. And they, it's obvious shades of Leverkusen in what, 2001, 2002. And, and we thought we should have beaten them then in the semi-final and we lost. So um, I, I think there's plenty of warnings here. 
but yeah you'd rather be facing Shao Canal than Barcelona for sure and and over one game you feel you might have a chance against Barcelona I'm not sure anyone on the planet's got a chance against Barcelona over two well I have a theory that Real Madrid are going to win the semi-final which is a slightly ridiculous theory but it's this thing that's been talked about a bit this season about how Inter got absolutely battered by Barcelona in the group stages and then uh, Mourinho spent all season thinking about it and then found a way to beat them over two legs I don't know if Real Madrid can shut up shop like that I mean I just don't know they would they can't shut up shop but I think Mourinho must have been thinking about what to do about Barcelona and if anyone can do it you know I don't know I just I think I think I think given how much mental energy Mourinho must have given to Barcelona this season because everything rests on it you know their chances of trophies is entirely dependent on them beating Barcelona in something well yes I mean they've got the La Liga game coming up and then obviously the two-legged semi-final and and, uh, there's a cup game before that as well isn't there yeah the cup final yeah so (laughs) they played for each other four times in a a, just over a fortnight yeah it's incredible I'm just hoping that they kick seven shades out of each other and, and when it comes to the final they're just all knackered and <laughs> broken and suspended and obviously, obviously we want you know don't wish ill on anyone except you know Lionel Messi having a you know nice nicely tweaked hamstring or something in time for the final just like just like something where he can't play just for that one day but it doesn't negatively impact on his career at all because I would hate to uh, wish the world not to have the benefit of Leo Messi, a, a full and wonderful career from Leo Messi. Because, you know, football would be a poorer place without him. No no two ways about that. So it certainly would be. But yeah, yeah, injured for the fun. Uh, because we're being a bit presumptuous there, I think. Yeah, because yeah, we, we're not there. No way, no way, you know. Look, Schalke have really picked up on Rangnick. They've uh, obviously he was their coach before, and and took Hoffenheim, who are basically a village side, to to great great things in 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 the Bundesliga. So look, this is clearly a smart coach, and he's got them playing, and and I think we should be wary of that. A credibly well-funded village side, a village side backed by Roman Abramovich. Um, uh, we are favourites playing the way we did yesterday. You know, yep. that, 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 not yesterday. Sorry, on on Tuesday. That that's that's the thing about that performance is it made us look like we're one of the top two or three sides in Europe yeah and look Chelsea a good side right as Ferguson was at pains to point out much that they've got problems this this was a very good performance from United at the right time and I think we've got all our defenders fit that that trio of Vidic, Van der Sar and, and Ferdinand absolutely crucial you've just got to hope no one gets injured Rio's back doesn't go out Vidic doesn't do some mental thing and get himself suspended for the final if we make it um, it's going to be absolutely crucial that United have n- no weaknesses and, and then we might have a shot yeah over yeah and 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 Carrick has got something because I mean you know I, I think it's unfair to say after he got murdered by Barcelona in 2009 his career went south I don't know whether the two things were connected but he does he does he does owe them one doesn't he I'm not even thinking about that though because we've we've got an awful lot of very huge games coming up before we get anywhere near a sniff at the Champions League final and if we do get to the Champions League final you can be guaranteed you'll have a three-hour rank cast special building up to it where we analyze the potential matchups and all that stuff uh, that. absolutely well maybe we should rank cast it live but we can't get tickets <laughs> which of course and there's only about three tickets available uh, UEFA kindly give the rest of them to all their sponsors so we'll, we'll see I mean, beg, borrow, steal anything to get one but um, if it happens but uh, if not if not yet we'll, we'll certainly do the rank cast what's going to happen closer to that talking of difficult to get tickets at Wembley there's a small matter of an FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City 
on Saturday. You know, if it was anyone else that United were playing, you'd, you'd say that Ferguson would rotate heavily and play fringe players. I mean, when, when United played Everton a few years ago, uh, that's exactly what exactly what Ferguson did. He played a lot of the, the squad players and ended up losing, well, penalties. But uh, So if it wasn't City, you'd say that Ferguson would definitely rest some players. Uh, because it's City, you've just got to feel he'll probably throw out his strongest side and take a chance at Newcastle on, on Tuesday instead. Oh, it's too much. I did. I, I, you know, the big games are coming thick and fast, aren't they? And and the FA. I, I love the FA Cup anyway, and and I think it's really important to at this stage just win every game. It's really important to just be winning constantly at the risk of sounding like Charlie Sheen. But the fact that it's against City, it's it's like there's just too much riding on it because the chances are, although they might still City up in the final, if they beat us tomorrow, that that's, we're gonna have to be taking back down and all sorts well no I mean yeah, there's another game after that they've, they've been inconsistent enough that they could well blow it in the final so yeah they, they might sit here if, it, anyway I'm not even talking about that we're gonna, clearly clearly we're going to beat them I'm, I'm not having any of this <laughs> negativity <laughs> thinking about what Manchester City might do in the final you know, no. Uh, no 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 none of that obviously it's just it's just I'm a little bit nervous about the game which will reassure regular listeners who know that the games I'm really super confident about are the ones where we're terrible and and when I'm a bit nervous, we do well. Um, I was very nervous against Chelsea, if that's any consolation to anyone. It, it's, that, it's that nagging feeling. Would, would he rest Ferdinand just to protect him after he's only just back from injury? He's had quite a few games already. He has a couple of intense ones against Chelsea, obviously. Would he think about protecting him, bring Smalling back? Oh, that's fine. Smalling's been great. But then how many changes does he make aside from that? You'd think Giggs might have a rest, so I guess Skulls comes back in. Are they going to be two or three changes or seven or eight? Yeah, it's got to be two two or three surely because he knows that he knows he's you know it's Ferguson he's a he's an incredibly smart manager and he knows how badly affected they'll be I mean City were an absolute shambles against Liverpool on Monday night weren't they right and they have not got Carlos Tevez who is clearly their most important player you know I have a feeling that he might suddenly miraculously get well I again. guess it's possible isn't it um but he did look pretty he does sound like he's pretty crop I guess that is I hadn't really even thought about that to be honest I guess it's possible but but without Tevez, I think they'll definitely struggle. If we play the the, the holy trinity at the back of, of Vidic, Ferdinand and Van der Sar, I think that, that that would be very difficult for City to do anything about. And we've obviously got loads and loads going forward when, on a good day, haven't we? So basically, it all comes down to whether it's a good day or not for United. And, and if it is, then, then we're just much, much better than them for all the money they've spent. We're still... Uh, our best side playing well is much better than their best side playing well. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, look, they've got players that can cause some damage mainly to each other <laughs> uh, by all accounts but yeah, look aside from that Zeko is a very good player and uh, I guess he'll lead the line and, and they'll they'll pick sort of two others to support him uh, maybe Balotelli and, and I don't know I don't, I don't suppose Johnson will play but the Yara Torre they're very good in midfield De Jong Milner they, they have very good ac- axis there in the centre of midfield so clearly uh, this is uh, all the play for this semi-final I'm, I'm certainly not counting any chickens and they could outman in midfield and I guess that will probably be the tactic to try and outmuscle us in there and, and uh, it'll be up to United to, to, to force the game and hopefully that you know as they like say that big Wembley pitch and all that I don't think there's actually any bigger in dimensions than Old Trafford but you know I guess it can feel it and, and hopefully that will play to our advantage and stretch the game yeah well just like the big Old Trafford pitch does what do you mean do you mean City haven't got the widest biggest most massive pitch in the land oh I like 1990s red issue jokes 
that's that's good tallest floodlights as well right that's it that's it i'm sure i still got red issue issue one somewhere there probably was a city joke in there yeah i guess this is what football's all about right the massive games against your big rivals with loads and loads of stuff on the line just be it would just be brilliant to knock city out if i got such a petty thing but really it's not about that actually it would just be incredible to be in with a shot of the double let alone the treble you know that that would just be magnificent i i think i think it will happen i i, I think we're going to beat city i think we'll beat newcastle and then everton and i think that almost almost certainly wraps up the premier the pressure is just gonna i think arsenal will drop points against liverpool at the weekend well uh, let's let's hope so it's been weird supporting liverpool the last couple of games because i definitely yeah, think it was in right. our interest that they beat city for sure i think city will be a lot better better obviously on Saturday than they were on Monday night I think that's pretty clearly going to be the case yes I'm sure they will it's it's it is after all their cup finals Let's hope it is their cup final. Right, we've had some... I guess the Newcastle game, that will be heavy rotation, you'd imagine. As I said, I, I think it's it, normal circumstances. If this was a cup semi against someone else, uh, Ferguson would rotate heavily for this and then bring back most of the big guns for Newcastle. I think it's going to be the other way around. Um, I've just got a feeling about that. Could be wrong, could be wrong. Uh, and in fact, Ferguson could just like make changes all over the place. and We'll, we'll see. Um, luckily, actually, most of the squad members, what you call the fringe members, are playing quite well well i mean park's come in and had a, a few yeah. good games and anderson's back now and um i guess it's just equal mickey owen that's not getting any game time and he started tweeting oh and he tweeted that he thinks a big goal's coming for him and you tweeted back at him 98th minute on saturday or do michael yes uh, and and that would be wonderful michael owen winner in in uh, fergie time that that would be fine yeah i'd be happy with that yeah it'd be it'd be worth it it'd be worth two years of michael sitting on the bench or in the treatment room just to just to get another one of those fergie time goals yeah yeah absolutely well i, I to be honest, I think the one he's already got basically justifies his tenure at Manchester United, but but another one certainly wouldn't hurt. We've had a few Twitter questions come in. Would you play Rio in the semi-final? That's from at BS1878 MUTD. Yes, yes, I would. Yes, I would. I think, I think look, if we were in a situation where Chris Smalling was still raw and Evans was playing badly, and so then we were talking about going up to Newcastle, which, you know, has, has traditionally been a difficult ground for us, well, on occasion, anyway. Anyway, yeah, it's also traditionally been a place where we spank yeah, them. Yeah, th- that's true as well. Yeah, but but if we if it was that scenario uh, and it you know felt like uh, it could be a really tough game and we're going there without Rio, then I would say no, rest him for the semi, keep him fresh, no risks. But I, I just I, yeah, I don't I don't see it. Newcastle aren't playing that well. This is really important. I think Smalling's playing really well. Uh, if they need to give Rio a rest on Tuesday night, then fine. Uh, so yes, I would play him in the semi. Okay, uh, I I think. I think I follow your reasoning and basically agree with it. I think I would have a very difficult time not putting out the absolute best side I possibly could for that semi-final and trust that we're, we're better than this very distinctly average Newcastle side who are really lacking going forward. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I think. Question from at Bratsbook. At what point would you believe the treble is seriously actually possible? I'm going to take this one. When we're 3-0 up against Barcelona with two minutes to go in the final? I really think, like, unless... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even thinking about... Well, I'm obviously thinking about it because we're talking about it but I, I have no confidence in this team's ability to get it together and win everything this season given how good Barcelona are I'm with you on that page I I, I do think United will wrap up the Premier League I think we'll make the cup final obviously then it's a game against Bolton or Stoke you'd you'd back United to win and and I think Barcelona will probably sneak past Real Madrid I don't think it'll be another 5-0 spanking or anything like that and, and then we're into a one-off game so no I'm not that confident about the treble I think this Barcelona side is 
one of the, the very best teams I've ever seen. Probably the best team I've ever seen. And uh, I ran a poll this week. So we have 67% of voters saying no to will United win the treble. So uh, United fans generally aren't, aren't that confident about it. And I also have to say I wouldn't be particularly confident if Real Madrid do find a way to beat Barcelona. And this is assuming that we win those first two pieces of the puzzle. And, and like I said at the beginning of the show, there's a hugely long way to go. The Premiership sort of feels like it's over the Premier League, but it's absolutely not. There's masses of really important games to go where we could still stuff it up, but but we're not looking like we're going to do that so far, so, so it's very exciting. A uh, comment from at Asher Fenton. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we won't see a repeat of Bayer Leverkusen or Borussia Dortmund against Schalke. Yeah, no, we, we, we're, we're definitely on the same page there. And he also says he really wants to be on the cast sometime. Please send your demo tapes to cast at unitedrant.co.uk and uh, we'll we'll have a listen. Demo tapes? Wow. Yeah, well, you know, you need, you're going to need someone when you finally sack me, Ed. You're going to need someone to step in. Yeah, well, I might do an Abramovich and decide, you know, to be a bit, a bit more hands-on with Rankcast. I might start talking to myself, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Jaffe Joffa says, the BBC website are doing an all-time United eleven. What are the best, according to you guys, but only players you've seen play? I will save that for a, a, a future Rankcast, but we'll definitely come back to that. Um, just... Just to give you a quick hint from my perspective, number one is Cantona, number two is Cantona, number three is Cantona, number four is Cantona. Uh, Eric might be in there. And at F Cheese wants to know what we think of the new away kit. Have you seen this, Ed? This is uh, kind of black and blue stripy, hideous monstrosity that if United... Oh, interesting. When has United ever played in stripes? No. This, for me, ranks alongside that 1980s awful Adidas thing where they had, like, the the Adidas symbols all, you know, the kind of speckledy one that United played in the Rumbelow's Cup final with. And and obviously the the grey kit that no one could see. So I, I think it ranks up alongside those is a pretty awful kit in my humble opinion I, I think I might sort of like it I've always been a bit of a sucker for hooped kits I've always quite liked Queen's Park Rangers since mm. I was a kid just on the basis of their hooped kit so uh, I'm not entirely confident that I don't like it I'm trying to picture United players wearing it and it, it is a bit weird and stripy but I, I'm not a total hater I've got to admit uh, at FG's who, who asked the question not a big fan he says he doesn't like like us in blue, which which I can understand. Well, yeah, although of course United won the European Cup in 1968 in blue. So yeah, it? yeah, no, that's true. Um, it is it is a very traditional away colour for United. Well, I mean, at the risk of being incredibly boring, it does make a lot of sense if your home kit is red that your away kit should be blue, doesn't it? That that, that is. Well, I I, I kind of like the purity of United playing in white and black. Uh, so I think we should never vary from red shirt, white shorts, black sock at home, and then away we should have a a white shirt, black shorts, and white socks. Why should it be any different from that? Okay, because yeah, then you can you can't sell as many kits. But plus, do you know what they're changing the home kit as well? It's only been one year in, so they're they're changing. And we, obviously, we've had the, an extra year with the with the black and blue third kit, um, which didn't didn't rotate at the same time as the the home and away kit. So uh, now changing the third kit is going to be this black and blue hooped monstrosity. Plus, they're changing the home kit. So you know, I know I know there's a there's some market to be done and there's a you know a small debt somewhere you know, 700 billion million pounds worth of it somewhere uh, i know they need to keep doing that but still come on 
Not not that I've bought a kit for quite a long time. No, well, no, absolutely, and and I definitely wouldn't even consider buying a United kit while the Glazers are still in charge. It seems like a completely ridiculous thing. But apparently, one thing they are planning on doing is spending the best part of twenty million pounds on uh, on David De Gea, uh, Atletico Madrid's twenty-year-old, and and I have to say, quite brilliant young keeper. Yeah, you, I, I have not seen very much Spanish football at all this season uh, due to having had a bit of a falling out with how much Rupert Murdoch wants to charge me to watch football and, and not sort of getting it together to find it through other means so so I, I really haven't seen a lot of Spanish football at all this season but all I ever hear from you is that he's the best young keeper you've ever seen uh, yeah I watch a lot of Spanish football and um, yeah I think I mean a massive gamble if, if this is true I mean there's enough press around it to, to feel like it might be true now actually Balaguer who's generally well connected in, in Spanish circles says yes it, it, it is true and it's actually down to the player now United have made an acceptable bid in you know, 20 million euros and which is you know, about 17 and a bit million pounds at the moment depending on the exchange rate and it's down to the player and he's having doubts because he's very young and is leaving his hometown club and obviously a massive step up and the pressure of replacing Edwin van der Sar and, and he's actually had a very mixed season he, he's coming good now but in the early part of the season he actually had pretty rough time uh, but I think his his class will shine through. I, I think he's the best young keeper I've ever seen I think he's um, Peter Schmeichel didn't mature until his late 20s Edwin van der Sar obviously he won he won the European Cup with Ajax quite young and then you know sort of early 20s-ish and, and then went to Juventus and had a tough time there and, and has obviously been brilliant since he's come to England and I, I think uh, he's got so much about van der Sar about him though De Gea he's the kind of his stature and his you know calmness under pressure so I think he'll be a great keeper I think a massive gamble if United are doing it because he's 20 and I don't clearly paper talk at the moment it just feels like there's an awful lot to it yeah I have a question about this transfer which is a question you might not know the answer to but how old is how old are Victor Valdez and Ika Casillas Valdez I think he's just turned 30 yeah. Casillas I don't know he's a bit he's a year or two younger he might be 28 29 something like that I mean Casillas has been around forever I mean, because he was in the Real Madrid side at 20 yeah well absolutely I just think it's a really important consideration because what's he going to do if he doesn't come to United now I mean I guess he could wait a few more seasons playing for Atleti and then play for a big a big club somewhere else if it goes well but you know the only two gigs in Spain really that are a step up are, are the, the Real and the Barcelona gig yeah I get you couldn't see him going to Valencia I mean Valencia all, all sorts of financial problems and, and Disso with, with um, Sevilla and those are the other two big clubs aside from Atleti so well, yeah but that's I mean that's like like Hearts and Hibs are big clubs in Scotland you know it's the, they're, they're big but they're not it's such a two horse race isn't that's it that's harsh they get 50,000 at the Mestaya yeah yeah no I know but in terms of like yeah okay no obviously it's harsh sorry but it's it's still there really are only two at the moment there's only two teams in Spain that are going to win anything yes absolutely no he, he has to move he doesn't have to move right now but what difference does it make when he's 20 or 22 or 24 you know maybe look if United are serious about this I think I think they will make an offer good enough that Atletico are happy for him to go and um, and the player will, will come but um, I mean it's exciting in a way because I, I do think he's an extremely talented keeper but it's still going to be scary because the first time he makes a mistake there's going to be an awful lot of press bad press about so yeah I mean it's 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 kind of unfortunate in a way that, that, that we haven't had a keeper with a season with Edwin it's very difficult for goalkeepers because there's only one position in the in the first team obviously but you just think a, a season working as 
van der Sar's understudy before you take over would just be invaluable because you could learn so much about how to go about the business of goalkeeping. Yes, but um, that's you don't get that with top keepers. No top keeper is going to want to be the number two. And, and uh, you know we've been fortunate to have a not top keeper sit on the bench for the last five years. And uh, in a way, you feel sorry for Thomas Cusack, but he was never good enough to be United's number one. And, and he, he's done pretty well when he's coming, although he, he made me feel pretty nervous when he played against Fulham. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be like a really, truly excellent keeper for a smaller side, you know. I think he's that he's, he's not he's not necessarily a United material keeper, but he's done he's done a pretty solid job in his, his time here. And, you know, also he's obviously done incredibly well financially out of being at United. But but you do you do wonder about a keeper who is a kind of first choice keeper for a smaller side coming and being a second choice at, um, at a massive club. Yes. Uh, anyway, listen, talking of massive we get to play Manchester City on Saturday. I suppose this is the point of the show where we're going to have to do predictions. Even though, as the season gets on, I am not a superstitious person at all. Uh, but as the season goes on, apparently I am. Because I'm really nervous about making predictions in case I in some way affect the outcome of the game. Yeah, well, I'm probably going to do it. It's now tradition. And when we don't do it, the, the listeners who who are everything yeah, you know, rebel against it. So, yeah, we, we're going to have to make predictions. Shall I go first? Will that, will yeah. that Help. Yeah, yeah, go go first. I think I think we're going to edge it. I think we get, but I think it's going to be really tight. So I, I'm thinking one nil in extra time. Michael Owen? No, I don't, I don't think he'll get a sniff. <laughs> I don't I don't think he'll get a sniff. But someone will score in extra time. I'm going with the sentimental shout. Two one, uh, Michael Owen winner in normal time. Uh, right, right, right at the end of normal time. And Newcastle away. Yeah, I, I think United. Uh, look, Newcastle just aren't very good at the moment, and and the only weapon they they actually had was Andy Carroll and. and he's gone so they don't they just don't score enough goals and even though Joey Barton thinks he's the the best thing on the planet uh, he's not so I think United will, will win uh, and it will be a comfortable-ish win with a few with quite you know a few few squad members in there and it'll be a sort of 2-0 or something like yeah, that yeah I'm, I'm, I think 2-0 is exactly the score that I was going to go with so you've got 1-0 and 2-0 I've got 2-1 and 2-0 both predicting two United wins and a, and a good week it's been really exciting the last couple of weeks it's been fantastic Fantastic to watch United be brilliant and it's possible that they will maintain that form for the running and if they do then it's going to be a heck of an exciting time to beat United fan it certainly is and uh, the weekend is the first of three trips to Wembley coming up I reckon in the next six weeks so Wembley a new home from home for United uh, yeah we've only got four games at Old Trafford so yeah almost <laughs> yeah, is no, absolutely oh talking of Old Trafford the atmosphere on Tuesday night my goodness it reminded me of what it used to be like all the time yes it, it, it did yeah, and standing on the Stretford end when people would actually sing and dance for the whole game. Yeah, it seems like a long time ago now, and, and it certainly wasn't that kind of atmosphere on the Saturday. <laughs> no. Fulham, but, but but there you go. It, it is a shame we've become you know, you know, part-time supporters in that that respect. Uh, and I guess it's the nature of changing fandom and the corporate seats and the price rises and and uh, a lot of uh, fans who've been around for a long time you know, gave up their season tickets. And and so it's not quite the same anymore and that is a shame but yeah fantastic atmosphere on Tuesday I'm sure there will be for the, for the games you know come from now until the end of the season because they all mean so yeah, much yeah and, and and it's uh, once again been a pleasure to talk about all this stuff with you uh, if you want to hear more from us during the week while we're away uh, you can find fantastic stuff being written every single day on unitedrant.co.uk some of the finest writing about Manchester United anywhere on the internet if I do say so on your behalf Ed 
you can follow us on Twitter. I am at UTD Rantcast and Ed is at United Rant. And also, if you fancy a bit of Twitter followage, uh, our very own at Rio35, a hardworking Twitterer, a very, a very fine Twitterer, although he's taken to attacking Piers Morgan, which is a bit completely unnecessary, really, because, like, I don't think anyone sitting at home going, I wonder who's better, Rio Ferdinand or Piers Morgan? That's, that's a question most people have already answered. I, I, yeah, I think it's personally reasonable attacking Piers Morgan. I'd take any opportunity I could to attack Piers Morgan. He's a rabid gooner. It just seems totally pointless, though, because Piers Morgan is, like, a terrible television presenter. He was a, he was a, a, a genuinely unethical newsman who was sacked from his job for for publishing an incredibly offensive accusation about human rights abuse that turned out not to be true um, and has gone to American television and is awful on American television and is a massive gooner and just Rio it's like when Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle when he knocked him out there was a punch he went to throw and didn't throw because it was unnecessary and and that's that's what I feel about Riz, Piers Morgan yes he is unnecessary <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I agree I agree and apparently Apparently, yours has moved. Yeah, well, this this is what I hear. Although I'm not in a position to comment on such things. But yeah, anyway, Rio's a big tweet tweeter. But of course, during the game, he he previously couldn't tweet because you can't tweet and play football at the same time. Fortunately, he's invented a device which fixes that, and you can uh, follow the results on at in game Rio. Very good, very good too. Yeah, it's uh, n- there. There was one Rio Ferdinand. Now there's two Rio. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So please follow at in game Rio. Nothing to do with me it's not me why would it be me i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) all right so we'll see you next week we certainly will